How we doing? This is Rob Bolster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where well, you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Coming at you at 2 p.m. new time. I have an extraordinary guest for you today. So extraordinary enough to where we move the time so we can fit this man in. But uh, we're going to get there in one second because, you know, we got to talk about the grind gear. right? We got the hoodies. We got the short sleeve. Right, we got tank tops, we have masks, we have all that good stuff. So we're going to have hats coming soon and mugs and everything else. And all of that goes to promote the show and to remind yourself when you're stuck in a rut to just put your head down and put that work in. Okay, you can find that stuff at shutupandgrindgear.com. Okay, that's shutupandgrindgear.com. Also, accept donations as well if that's on your heart. Plans as low as $1 a month. Shut up and grind gear. Sorry, shutupandgrind.me slash support. Okay, to shutupandgrind.me slash support. All right, so today's topic, we're talking about core values. Is core values more important than goal setting? So can you set goals without proper core values? Is that a thing? And so I have multiple sets here because I have multiple business coaches and mentors. And I have one, you can't see it, it's on the wall behind me. There are 13 core values. And before every one of our mastermind calls, we go through them every single time. And this wall behind me, I have a different set of core values from my fitness mastermind group. And we go through that all the time as well. You know, before any meeting, we go through those core values. And then I have my own that I made for my accountability group. And so the man I I brought in to have this discussion with me, this man is 79 years old. That is a level of wisdom that is just unreal. So I've only spoken with him for a few minutes in the green room, and he's a very bright man. He's an articulate man. He's an educated man. And we're about to have a really great conversation about this topic. So who is this man? Okay, This man has a background in math and engineering physics as well as skills in corporate marketing management. After realizing that everything he touches turns to gold, he became, I threw that one in, that turns to gold, he became an entrepreneur helping people achieve fulfillment and peace of mind. Those efforts allowed him to retire only 11 years after starting his business. How did he do it? Let's ask him. Let's bring in Roy Cook. Welcome to the show, sir. Hi, Rob. How are you? Well, how you doing? How did I do with the intro? Terrific. It was awesome. perfect. Awesome. Good, good, except good. That, except that early on, everything I touched turned to uh, something other than gold. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had a, I, I would view my first 37 years as being those of a loser. 
Oh, okay. I had to come to terms with that when I thought about my career. Um, and then things changed after that for a pretty strong reason. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a strong word. That's a strong word, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. All right. So, so first, give me the quick summary. If you had, if you had, if you could define yourself in, you know, 60 seconds or less, how would you do it? Well, I'm a guy that grew up in Oregon, just an ordinary guy, went to college and went outside and some things didn't work. And fortunately, I learned from that and pretty much shut up and grinded my way <laughs> to, a, to a successful 11 years as an entrepreneur. Um, I am married, no kids, three cats, uh, on, living on a farm now nice. after almost all my life living in, uh, on a high rise in San Francisco. Um, I'm a guy who's very interested in ideas and very interested in finding things that will motivate me to, uh, to succeed and really to help others. Love it. All right. So let's take it back to when you were a kid. Like what did you envision yourself doing as a, uh, as young Roy? Well, you know, that's a funny thing. When I think back, I can hardly ever remember any ideas of success. I think I was a very shy guy. And, and I never, and I used to look at these guys uh, with their, their beautiful suits, getting in a limo and heading for the airport or moving to first class. And I thought, God, how does, how does somebody ever get to that point? How do they ever get there? And I thought in my heart of hearts, I knew I would never get there. Mm-hmm. My dad sold neon signs and uh, he didn't have that kind of a career. He wasn't an entrepreneur. So I wasn't hanging around an entrepreneur. I don't want to uh, make, give a mistaken impression. I, I love dad and he couldn't have been a better father for me, but not from a career standpoint. You know? So yes. I didn't really have much in the way of dreams for myself. That came later. I, uh, I, I couldn't see myself being successful. I just didn't have that image. Okay. All right. Yeah. See, and I asked those questions because thing answers like you just gave, you don't find those in talking points, you know, and in in shows like this one, you know, it's about overcoming the overcoming the grind. And the fact that you couldn't see yourself having that level of success, how did that affect you moving forward with your decision-making? Well, I, you know, I I made a series of uh, bad decisions. Like uh, in college, I wanted the toughest thing there was. So I did engineering physics. That's rocket science. Oh, yeah. I did poorly at it. And um, and I actually flunked a course or two. Now, I was in the National Honor Society in high school. So this is a complete change. But I just didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Uh, But. I just gutted it out until the end. And at the very end, I thought, well, I don't want to go into this field. This is the kind of thing where you'd have to go on and get a doctorate. Yeah. So I said, I'll get a good business career. And and I looked around out there and talked to recruiters and they said, <clears throat> Procter and Gamble is a good place to go. They're, they're the apple of the day. So yes. I went to Procter and Gamble for seven years and that started me out on the right path even though I'm kind of a West Coast guy and they're back in Cincinnati. So after that, I came back to the West Coast of San Francisco. And and for quite a while there, I, I had a pretty good paying job, but I just didn't have good habits. I, I was not on the right path. And that only happened in 1993 when I had a health and career crisis in one year that caused me to completely change. 
And so I think that's kind of a common story that somebody hits the wall or something and they have to change totally. And I did. And after that, my life uh, changed and um, I found peace of mind and fulfillment and financial independence all in an 11 year period um, wow. as an entrepreneur. But I, w I was not headed in that direction before that, even though I had good paying jobs, but bad habits. You know, drinking on weekends and having car problems, borrowing money from everybody, borrowing money from women I dated mm. um, and being called, had dunning calls every night all through my early career. The first, uh, uh, well, up until maybe I was 37. So that'd be 16 years after college. I was living, uh, I, I was not a, a real good guy there, I don't think. Um I mean, borrowing money from women you're dating and having all these terrible habits. And I remember when I met my future wife in San Francisco after eight years after leaving college, having moved back to San Francisco from Cincinnati, uh, she told me I was the most selfish person she ever met. Wow. And I said, what do you mean? She said, Roy, you're late for everything, which shows you have no respect for anybody else. Mm. And then I took some employment tests from a company that does that kind of stuff. And the guy comes out of the room and says, <clears throat> you know, Roy, you have no empathy. And so being defensive at that point in my life, I launch into a defense of myself. And the guy says, wait, 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 wait. You have sympathy. Uh, that isn't what the test showed. You have no empathy. And I said, well, what the heck is empathy? Mm. And he said, well, exactly my point, Roy. You don't even know what it is. So, <laughs> found out you can get that later, but that's not a good thing to have to yeah. not, you really kind of care about other people and so on. So um, that, that all changed in, uh, in 93 when I was about 52 years of age. All right. So, so let's, so let's go, go back there. So what, what did you have first? Did you have the career issue or the health issue first? Um. They, they were one and the same. There was a career issue brought that brought about the health issue. Okay. Specifically, right. I worked for a New York-based company, but I was running the West for them. And it was a, a marketing firm where we deal with companies like Procter & Gamble, Del Monte and & Craft, and so on. One of the partners there said, we want you to sign this deposition. Uh, it, it may involve a court trial. And I looked, and it wasn't anything I was involved with. And I said... Mm. Uh, I, I don't want to sign that. That That's a lie. So I went home and I started getting uh, panic attacks at night, 30 minutes after I went to sleep. Okay. And that would happen two or three times a week. I'm in a high rise. I'd leap out of bed to get my heart going. And I felt my heart stop, run to the window, throw it open. And there's Golden Gate Park in front of me in the ocean and get uh, fresh air back in. And I'd go back to bed. And my wife and I thought I was dying. Yeah. So I went to all kinds of doctors, including an all-night sleep lab. Nobody could help me. I went to a psychiatrist, and he said, well, tell me about what's happening in your life. And I, so I told him about this incident with my company. And then I went, it was starting to go on. He said, stop, stop, stop. I know what the problem is, Roy. You're a man of integrity, and they aren't. And either you're going to have to confront them. I said, I've already done that. And they'll have to change their feeling about what they've asked you, or you're going to have to change companies. So um, during the prior three years, I'd been reading Stephen Covey, The oh, Seven yeah. Habits of Highly Effective People, and his partner, Hiram Smith, uh, writing about core values. 
and I had developed my own 11. I found that I had 11 core values. And so I thought, well, here's a, here's a test of this. Uh, I'll put a little spreadsheet together with my 11 core values, my current job and the new job, and I'll rate them all zero to 10 with whether they're, they're honoring my core value. Let me write, write down core value so we can, because I want you to pick back up where you left off. Okay. But, so you, you were having your, your panic attacks. What was going through your mind during those moments? And I ask you, because I went through something similar, believe it or not. And uh, like I had a fall on out with my business partners and same thing. I was getting up in the middle of the night and end up going to the emergency room thinking I'm having a heart attack. And I was what, 42 at the time, I want to say, 43, somewhere around there. And it, it was very, very scary, sweating, you know, out of breath and just a very sharp pain, like right in the center of my chest. And, you know, there were definitely some thoughts swirling through my, my mind. So I'm just curious as to what you were thinking during those moments. I didn't have what you had, but it was close. I, I would stop breathing. I didn't have a pain in my chest. Okay. I would stop breathing, jump out of bed to get my heart going again. So I and then go to the window to get fresh air. So that whole process took maybe a minute. Mm. Um, and and I didn't understand it because I, you know, my life was good. I, 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 I love my wife. I was living in a, in a high rise. Um, at that point in my life, economically, I mean, I had cars taking me everywhere. I flew first class. So I, I didn't want to leave that company yeah. uh, because they were paying so well. And I liked it. But when they when they turned to me and said, we want you to sign a deposition. Now, they could have been setting me up for something if it didn't work out in a, a, a court trial. Whatever it was, these weren't the same three partners that I started with. I mean, I'd, I'd never had that occasion. So it's just that they repeated maybe three times a week. And I knew this was not normal. Yeah. And thank God for the psychiatrist, because he uh, he found the answer quickly. And uh, by the way, when I did uh, do my little spreadsheet comparison and decided I'm going to leave them, and then I knew an entrepreneur, and the entrepreneur said, Roy, uh, I'm an entrepreneur because I like to make my own mistakes. And that rang a bell with me because earlier, about 15 years earlier, I had a company try to cheat me out of stuff. So so I became an entrepreneur. And um, How long did it take you to make, to make that stopped. decision? They stopped. After that, after I got out of this bad situation, they immediately yeah. stopped. Okay. All right. Yeah. So how, how long did it take you to make that decision? So when you spoke to to your friend, to you actually making that decision to do it? To the to the to the psychiatrist. Oh psychiatrist, sorry. Um, I who's a who's a very good guy. Um I think that process probably took me a month. Okay. Because I had to sit back and I had to do the analysis with a spreadsheet. That took me a while to figure it out, to just, you know, put something on paper and look at it. And when I was all finished adding the scores of uh, uh, zero to 10 for each core value, being an entrepreneur doubled the score of staying where I was. So it was obvious that that would happen, but I wasn't prepared to do that because I told you a little bit about the trappings of the job. Yes. Jobs like that don't float around. They certainly don't float around San Francisco. So I had to have a little courage because I felt, okay, I'm going to go backwards a little bit here. I'm not, I'm not going to be flying first class and staying in the best places and having cars take me everywhere. That, that life is probably gone. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want the, the other problem either. Um, 
And and so part of that also is, yeah, being an entrepreneur is one thing, but of what? Mm. Of, of what? I mean, you're an entrepreneur running a business. And maybe yeah. that took a while to figure it out. Well, I had to figure out of what? So I had to look back at my whole life. Stephen Jobs said something. You can't connect the dots ahead in your life, but you can connect them looking back. And I yeah. did look back and I saw, Roy, for 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 all the time you've been in business, you've been in one narrow area of marketing. And I saw an opportunity there and there wasn't anybody filling the opportunity. And so I knew what I would do then. I would fill that opportunity in an area that I was an expert, probably knew as much as anybody in the country and nobody was doing it yet. Was uh, So this had to do with people like Procter and Unilever introducing new products nationally. Uh, you know, the kind of stuff you buy in a package at Safeway or Kroger. Yeah. And so that's that's what happened. And so I was excited about that because I knew I knew that field and I knew I could help these companies. And so that that really uh, changed my life completely. And I wasn't dependent upon partners that were willing to sell me down the river if, if it got to that. All right. Let me double down on some something else you said okay. about, about the answer is looking back. Because I, w- I was on a show just yesterday. My, my guest and I, we were talking about that. And because like he helps people craft stories and I help people craft stories too. And trying to help people figure out what they want to do. And so many people, they, they don't know. And they're constantly saying, how? How? And my, my response was like, the answer is already inside of you. It's like what yeah, your superpower yeah. is, it's already there. You, yeah. just, you just don't know it's a superpower. You know, so the fact that you just said that, I mean, it just it just adds more credibility to us having that discussion just yesterday. I mean, because like in your lifetime, you've been through a lot and you didn't have to discover anything new. You just had to discover how to take what you know and use it to become an entrepreneur. Bingo. Well, yeah. I couldn't agree more. As soon as I, uh, Covey said, and so did uh, um, Smith 30 years ago, there are about 360 values out there that each of us have maybe 10 to 20 within us. And they said they came at birth. They're they're deeply spiritual. So they believe they came from God. I don't know where they came from, but that sounds as good as anything, but I know they don't come later after childhood. You don't get any more core values. Uh, uh, you, You recognize yourself as being different from other people because of those values. So once I had those and, and the answer was this, Whatever I was going to do, make sure I'm honoring the core values in everything I do after that, every step, every action, uh, every decision. And so from day one, I did that. And during that 11 years, I got I found fulfillment and peace of mind. I guess you could translate that into being happiness. But they specifically used those two words. They said, you'll find fulfillment and peace of mind. And Covey said dogmatically and in no other way. And I like that. I'm a dogmatic kind of guy, so I like that. Yeah. So I agree. You had to you you had to find it within you. I mean, there's 360 core values. I had 11, so I only have three or four percent. So lots of things are meant for other people. Like yeah. I don't have a creativity core value. You may, but but I have I have an integrity core value, and I have some others, but not a creativity. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that writes music or plays music. Or, or, or paints or goes out in the garden. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't value creativity. It just means it's not a core value of mine, something I feel is important. 
Yes. So that in and of itself would separate me from other people that have a creativity core value and, and would say, if I can't be creative, I, I don't want to live. You know, that's part of them. So yeah. I agree. It's it's inside you. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, and I want to go back to what you said earlier about people saying that you didn't have have empathy, because that's something I've heard quite a lot in my lifetime. And I just think for different people, it takes on different forms. Because with me, it's like I help people break through obstacles and stuff. So when you do that with, with my style, I know everyone's style is different. My style is pretty direct. And so it's, it's not that I don't care. It's like I'm direct because I do care. It's like if you come, it's like if you were to hire me to help you achieve whatever your goal is, I'm going to be on your tail to achieve the goal. Like that's just, that's just how I work. And so if someone's having a bad day, I'm like we have to stay on the path. You know, it's like it's like if I let you stray off the path, I'm doing you a disservice. Mm-hmm. So so by by me saying shut up and grind, like that doesn't mean I'm not empathetic to what's what you're going through. I'm telling telling you you're strong enough to get past it. Well, I agree with that too. I mean, um, that's good for us. You don't have to win every battle with sugar. Yeah, uh, I mean. If somebody's working with you, they see that title I'm looking at, Shut Up and Grind, it's pretty obvious that you're saying <laughs> shut up and grind. Yes. But what the grind is, you'll have to define for them, but I, I, I know what it is. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, that's important in life. We don't always have to be nice and sweet with people. Sometimes all of us need a kick in the rear or uh, or point us in the right direction and kind of help us a little bit uh, before we become totally independent. I don't, I don't need that anymore. But even now, if I was moving into an area I knew nothing about, uh, I would have no problem in having a drill sergeant kind of leader, you know, help me. Yeah. And for some people that style doesn't, doesn't work. So I attract the people that need that, you know, so the ones who may be, more like the feeler types, the more sensitive type, like they're not going to respond well to my to my type type of training if they don't have, you know, the backbone to go with it because I just am who I am. And the way I say it with people, it, take a fitness concept like CrossFit. When you go to a CrossFit, you get CrossFit. <laughs> you know, it's like you're not getting yoga, you're not getting Pilates, <laughs> you're not getting some other type of format. You're getting what they do. You know, when people when people come to me, you're getting what I do. You know, when you were taking on clients, you know, people are coming to you for what you do. And so yeah. people just have to find what they're good at and just step into that and not try to be someone else or who someone else wants them to be. Yeah. Well, that's the difference in my life between, you know, pre uh, pre 52 year old and afterwards. What a difference. So you you can be successful financially, which I was before fifty two, not not as successful as otherwise, and have things going for you, but uh, a few things, but have the whole thing be wrong. I mean, here it was wrong. I put myself in a situation where they felt they could take advantage of me, and uh, and started to get panic attacks and think think I'm dying all the time. Obviously, that's a sign that I'm in the wrong situation. You know? Yes, and, and you probably gave your heart and soul to that, please. Yeah, I did. But I uh, thank God I ran into the psychiatrist. I mean, that was maybe my sixth doctor after ear, nose and throat, heart doctor, all night sleep lab. Um, 
the all not, night sleep lab is not neat because they have about what seemed like 50 pounds of stuff connected to you. <laughs> and some guy in another room, there's probably three bedrooms somewhere where three guys are suffering like me and he's out there watching you. Uh, I say to the guy, what happens at 3 a.m. at night if I have to go to the bathroom? He said, I'm always here. Yeah. Well, 3 a.m. came and I had to go to the bathroom. He wasn't there for 15 minutes. So I'm thinking <laughs> I'm going to pull all this stuff out. But I remember him telling me, no matter what happens, don't pull those tubes out. We'll have to do another night and, and, and we will charge you for that second night. So I had to go through that that whole process. Nothing came out of that that was not profitable. It was the psychiatrist finally in the first five minutes yeah. said, I know, I know exactly what your issue is. And, know, and, how did, and how did you respond to that? Well, I was happy as hell because when he said, Roy, you're, you're a man of integrity. And uh, I wouldn't have said these three guys lacked integrity. I would have thought they had integrity. But this action showed me uh, that they didn't, uh, yeah. that they were willing to lie. They even said, one guy said, Roy, we understand you're an honest guy, but this is business. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa. You mean our business is outside the realm of normal morality and ethics? Those mm -hmm. laws don't apply to us? So um, when he told me that, I thought, my God, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm putting my, uh, myself in his hands. And uh, later when I retired, I went back to him because I trusted him so much. I said, okay, now what? I'm going to move to my wife's uh, family farm from a high rise where we've lived for 30 years in San Francisco. I thought we'd die. I'm a big city guy. Yeah. I could easily live in Manhattan. Uh, so we're up, we're up there. And he says, uh, I said, tell me what direction should I go now? I'm not going to be an entrepreneur anymore. I'm retired. And he, uh, working with my core values, we again found some things that, that would fulfill me like learning, teaching, meditation, uh, some philanthropic stuff, uh, mentoring people, putting together a mentoring program for a college, stuff that was thrilling. Um, so it was fun being an entrepreneur, but you still occasionally had to deal with people you didn't like. Oh, and maybe yeah. with the government, you have taxes and stuff. Later, he said, you're not going to have that problem now anymore, Roy. You don't have to deal with anybody you don't like. You don't have to have any caustic or toxic people in your life. You now can do whatever you want. Um as long as you're retired. Well, that was fun. And so I'm actually enjoying myself more now than when I was an entrepreneur, uh, earning a fair amount of money and having a very successful corporation. Uh, but it's better to be on my own and uh, not having people working for me and clients that I have to satisfy. It's, a, it's actually better. So, Yeah, I want to highlight what you said about not having toxic people in your life. Because I see this too many times. I dealt with it for a while myself, but I, I don't in, anymore. But there, there's so many times I see people that have dreams, they have hopes, just things that they want to do, and they just have anchors in their life just holding them down. And I try to help people see, it's like you know, you don't have to completely disassociate with these people, but just when it comes to your goals and your visions – you can't allow them to enter that conversation. Yeah. Like that's so big in people's personal development. I'm with you hundred percent there. My, my own view is this. I've never wanted to be around uh, toxic people and I, and I tend to get rid of them out of my life. Now uh, you have to admit that uh, you could have someone in your own family who's that way. Oh, well, yeah. I, I didn't have that problem. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't say to people, I mean, Bernice and I didn't have kids, so I could spend all my time working on this stuff. I didn't have to worry about their education or taking care of them. So I, I was blessed from that one standpoint. We didn't want to have children. Yeah. Uh, but I've never let toxic people be around me. But later, when I became an entrepreneur, I, I made sure that when I was retired, totally. Yeah. However, you can't control your own life. If they're in your, uh, if they're in your family, uh, what I say is move to the light as soon as possible. You know, yeah. minimize their involvement. Move toward that light. But but as far as friends, um, no, I wouldn't minimize it. I'd find other friends. Yeah, I, I felt that I agree with. my advice is in that area, and I tell people this: hang out with people that are smarter than you and are more successful uh, than you. If you can find, if they'll hang out with you, those are the ones to hang out with, not the other people that'll bring you down. You, you exactly. don't want that. Hang hang out with them. Listen to what they have to say, and and you'll go a long way. Uh, there's that old saying, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. Yeah. And I, believe, <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. Let me tell you, I've expanded my circle so greatly ever since starting this show. It's it's insane. Like I'm hanging out with people who like I, I chat with a woman probably three times a week. She's got an eight figure business. Like she's she's an amazing, amazing woman. And we chat like we're all buddies, you know, but, yeah. but, but just, just seeing her, her success and the way she carries herself, like it inspires me every single day, you know? So for, for people that don't have that in their life, especially now with the internet, how here we are in different parts of the country, but yet we, we're here having a conversation. So people can find their, their right tribe. They just have That's to nice. be willing to let go of the current tribe. And I would say when you're looking around, you find those five people. I'm a strong believer in mentors. A lot of people go through their whole life. They don't have them. Find one of those people. And uh, uh, you can read articles about how to get a mentor. But sometimes you can just ask. Sometimes you can help them with something. But, uh, but try to get mentors. They'll make a huge difference in your life. Just like you were impressed with that woman at some point in your life it would have been helpful to have someone like her as a mentor. You may have had yeah. someone else like that. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and I, and I love to mentor now. I, I'm actually amazed that people go through their whole life. And they never have a mentor. And I said, well, have, have you ever tried? No. Have you ever asked? I don't know how to do that. Why would anybody want to do that? Well, there are people like you or me and others who want to give back at a certain point, feel they've got something to offer and, and would like to, to help somebody succeed. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to help people uh, do what I did. I mean, I went from some little kid who looked at somebody getting in a limousine and said, how did somebody ever do that? Uh, now that's the wrong goal to have getting a limousine, but I, I mean, just yeah. the level of success I'm saying, how did yeah. they get to be that way? I will never be like that. You know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And so I see it all the time that people talk themselves out of what they actually want. You know, like some of the people I work with now, like, oh, I really want to work with this person doing this thing. Like, well, why aren't you? Like, well, I, I, I don't know how. Like, they're, they're just completely lost. It's like, well, why don't you get a coach? Coaches are expensive. Like, yeah. then you're gonna, then you're gonna stay where you are. It's like, you, you know, what's expensive? Vacations. Yeah. <laughs> Vacations are expensive, but yeah, we'll spend thousands of dollars to have fun, and you know, it, it's needed at times. But when you're struggling internally. 
you know, skip the vacation for a year, invest that money into personal development, then you can vacation whenever you want to yeah. once you live in the life that you want to live. And there's too many people just can't grasp that concept. That's a great point when you say, uh, when they said coaches are expensive, my immediate co- thought went through my mind, so is failure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is failure. That you know, that failure is really expensive. Uh, I understand the point, and sometimes if people, if they were living the way I was living, they don't have any extra money. I mean, I had some guys say, well, how did you blow that money? Were you into drugs or prostitutes or something And because uh, you were earning a lot of money? I said, no, I just couldn't control my spending. It wasn't any flaw. that I, it, it was a terrible flaw, but it wasn't because of some other moral uh, lack. It was just I was spending more than I made. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, hell, the whole world does that. And I was part of that group. It, it was uh, it was terrible. I mean, uh, borrowing money from women you date who are earning a fraction of what you're earning is uh, is a bad thing. So I, I agree with a coach. I had a coach. I've actually had at least two. And I had a handful of mentors. And the mentors made a huge difference uh, to my life. One of them made a career difference. One of them actually gave me a spiritual life. I mean, that's because, and he was, uh, he was not, not a real subtle guy, but I was around him enough that I developed a spiritual life from him. And the first guy helped me in my career. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big thing that I owe to the, those people. And, and, and it's mentioned in my book right off. And then another guy introduced me to, uh, a group in college, a fraternal group where I lived, and they were really good people. It wasn't the old fraternity hazing kind of stuff. So yeah. there were three things that happened there that changed my life, and I dedicate my book to those three people because they made a difference. So that's a big deal to have somebody teach you how to be successful in business and somebody else teach you how to develop a spiritual life. This guy reached out and touched me. I'm, I'm talking one time. He was a charismatic leader. And he reached out and touched me on the chest. Men don't do this to other men. And said, uh, Roy, I sense a void in there. Mm. And it was like an electric shock when he did that. And here I am successful, all the outer trappings. But I knew what he meant. I did have a void in there. And uh, he was more or less saying, you need to fill that void. You, you need to find, develop a spiritual life. But he didn't say that. He just said, I sense you have a void there. Yeah, because too many times people are chasing money and not what they really want to do. And I just had this talk with my daughter just yesterday, my oldest daughter. She's 18. She's in school for kinesiology and she wants to be an entrepreneur, you know, with like like a fitness based platform. And so she says to me yesterday that she wanted to borrow my car today to go for a job interview. And I was like, to do what? She's like, you know, to be a cleaner at a gym. And I was like, we're like, you're not in school to be a cleaner at the gym. And she's like, yeah, but it, but it's something. And I said, no, we don't chase something. We chase what we want. I said, so take your time, find the opportunity that's going to teach you the skills. So when you get your degree, you can take off running, you know, and just trying to shape that mind. And, you know, the mainstream would, would say, no, well, it's good that she just wants to get her foot in the door. No, we don't get our foot in the door. We kick the door down. And like, that's, that's how, that's how I raised them, you know? And it's something that I had to learn from my first mentor because I've had several. And the biggest takeaway from my first one 
was just what's possible. Because when I first left the corporate world and started doing fit fitness, I was just told you're going to struggle. Most gyms close in six to 12 months and you're going to be in so much debt. I just heard all this negative stuff about it. And I'm like, I don't want to hear from any of you people. <laughs> so I ended up going out to Southern California to a fitness business summit in Costa Mesa. And that's where I was, where I was first introduced to like a tribe, just a whole bunch of wildly successful fitness entrepreneurs and the guy running it. I, I, I won, I won a, a scholarship. So I earned some free time with him and that those, it was like maybe 15 minutes changed everything in the trajectory of my thought process, everything. And like just helping people know and feel what's possible is one of the biggest things that, that I do now because of the 15 minutes I spent with that man. You know what you made me think of? Uh, I would get on BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit. I lived in San Francisco, worked there, and I occasionally have to go to East Bay. So I'm on BART after people are coming home from work. So I get on BART at 5.30, and I look around. It's full of people, and most of them were young, and they're all asleep, mm -hmm. all of them. And I said, why is this? These people are young. They're not old people being beaten down and so on. Uh, and the same thing I see now on planes. I get on late at night. And I understand if you've had a long day, there are some people who are just exhausted. They didn't get enough sleep. But everybody's kind of asleep. The bar thing really drove it home to me. And what, what I felt from that is these people are, are not in the right area. They're, they're doing something they don't like. Uh, they don't know what to do about it. Uh, it, it, it is tiring them out, even at 27. They're so tired that they're sleeping all the way home. They're not listening to a tape. They're not reading a book. They're not thinking about their life. They're asleep. And the same thing on plane. So it's, it's my belief that most people are not where you are. They're, they're, just, they're, they're just not there. They don't know how to do it. They're working at something they don't like. It's not fulfilling them. It, it, in my looking at a truth that I think is, is uh, a case for lives. They, they have no idea what their core values are. They just have no idea. And, and to pick goals uh, because a sports hero or some famous person says, here's something for you to do is wrong. You're you're, you are all different. And yeah. the fact that um, somebody really famous is doing something is no reason for, for, uh, for you to do it or is in a certain field. It may be perfect for him and may not be for you. So you may have to struggle there. I, I don't believe off the bat that you can hit a home run the first time out. I, I just don't believe that's the case. Um, I also don't believe in this. You might not like what I'm going to say, but the advice, find your passion because then you'll never work a day in your life. I completely disagree with that. I agree with it later in life, but not early because yeah. early in life, you might pick an area that you're passionate about and that'll change at 21 to 30 or 35 or 40. That's number one. Number two, you may not have the talent to be good in the area you're passionate about. And number three, um, let's see, what is the third reason about passion? Uh, it may not pay well if you want to be paid well. So I would say get your feet wet and try some different things. If you're lucky off the bat, great. But most of us aren't. And then a little later down the road, when you get success, I find that passion comes with success. It comes along for the ride. 
uh, but it's not the reverse. Later in life, I would agree with that completely. Make sure you're in an area where you're passionate about, but don't start out that way. Uh, you may be lucky, but you probably won't be. You know, you, you're, you're a young kid in 20, 21, 22, 23, anytime in your 20s, you're still a young kid. Just get your feet wet and whatever business you're in, just keep your eyes open and watch what's happening and, and uh, see if you can pick up a mentor or two there and get out of that phase. And then you'll start maybe slowly like me. I mean, hell, at 52 before I found let me let me challenge that. Let me challenge that. So now I'm not gonna try to convince you to 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 think what I think. Like I love I actually love your point of view, but as you said a second ago, that we're all different. You know, so yeah. so pe people think differently. But something else you, you said earlier too is that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You have to connect them backwards. And another thing, see, when, whenever I do this, I take notes, right? So pretty much every golden nugget that you said, I've written down. And so the other thing you said was people's core values are shaped at a young age, right? So when, when you're young, you, you know what areas you like. So I do agree passions can change, but a lot of things that you like, even now at 79, you probably liked in your 20s you know it could be a type of music it could be yeah. you know just like just whatever your hobbies are i agree with that yeah 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 so like that stuff doesn't change like now at 46 i still like playing basketball i'm still competitive um you know you know what i mean like there's still all these things that, that i enjoyed so when i worked in the restaurants for those 20 years coming out of high school I wanted to be either like a famous DJ. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be some type of performer, some type of speaker. And so I spent 20 years in the restaurant industry. And what am I doing? I'm talking to people. I'm entertaining people. I've been on television. <laughs> you know, like all of those things that I wanted to do, it just got suppressed. And then, you know, you start working on other stuff. So what I did with my daughter, and this is what I do with my clients, is we reverse engineer what they want to do. So when we were picking her her her, her uh, career choice, I said, "What makes you happy?" We started there, and we just wrote down all the things that make her happy. She likes music. She likes nature. She likes helping people. She likes empowering empowering other girls. And so we wrote it all down, and I said, "So out of these things that you like, what's something that you would like to inspire other people with, or like who, like who would you want to work with in sharing these things that you enjoy?" And so she could like she grew up without her biological mom. So it's like that that could be a niche. And we just wrote down all these niches. Then I said, now, what industry can allow you to have these passions working with these people? And we wrote out the different industries and then she came out with fitness. So it's so like it was a very in-depth process to get to what she wanted. So I did tell us that maybe down the line, we have to shift industries, but your passion and who you want to work with is never going to change. Well, I agree with that part. I, I'm just saying you may be lucky and be able to find that at 21. Yeah. But, but there's also a lot of biases and prejudices that are part of a young person that go away over time. And so you may pick the wrong one. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll hang my hand on what I said before. What you're passionate about now may not be the same. It may shift a bit. Yeah. To when you're 30 or 40, that's number one. Number two, it may not pay. The one thing you're passionate about may not pay. And you could say, well, I, I don't care about the money. Well, you may later. 
Yeah. And the third thing is you may not have the talents that fit in what, what you think is passionate. Hell, here I am in college thinking engineering physics is what I should do because it's the toughest field there is. It even beats pre-med. Yeah. And what a, pardon me for saying this, but what a jackass reason. Yeah. I want the toughest thing. Beat me up. I want something really tough. <laughs> and I found out that I wasn't good at it. And uh, I mean, the people that are in there are pretty much all geniuses, but I wasn't good at it. Uh, so it, it, it hurt my self-image. And I didn't like it either. Uh, either one. I, I, uh, and I didn't know where to go from there. So I just thought I'd get a business background, went to Procter, and Procter was a great company to go with. But still I'm thrashing around for quite a while. So I'm, I'm a late bloomer. Yeah. I said, well, when did you find yourself? Well, I found it myself at 52. That's pretty late. You know? Yeah. So I'm, let's say I'm slow off the mark there. Yeah. So, so we're both, we're both on the same page here. We actually are because what I'm saying is just that try to identify it sooner. You already had it in you. You just didn't identify it till later. It's pretty much the same exact thing. Because I think a lot of it stems with indoctrination. Because we're taught, just let them be kids. Let them be kids. Go to college. Find yourself. And all this other stuff. So, like, we're taught that our entire life. So that becomes the norm. And so what what I decided with my kid, I'm like, 18 is a long time. You know, like, 18 years is a long time. I said, that's a long time to discover what you want to do. You know, so like even now with my 14 year old daughter, she she wants to go into uh, forensic sciences. And so I don't try to discourage her from it. But I was like, you know, why? What interests you about it? Just to see how deep she is into it. But she's already researched colleges. I think she's got it narrowed down to Penn State and LSU that have uh, some of the best forensic science programs in in the uh, country. But like I also keep telling her, though, but what what else do you enjoy? Like just in case. You know, but, but it's like, but like, I want, I want them to be thinking now. Cause what I said to my daughter, so we're not paying a hundred thousand dollars for you to soul search. (laughs) I was was like, we're going to figure out what what you want to do. If we have to pivot along the way, we'll pivot along the way. Yeah. You've got to be ready for that. I've got a thought. I I have a bias. So I'm going to give you my bias about this. Yeah. When people get out of college, I have found they make one of two decisions. One. I want to be entertained primarily the rest of my life. I'll do a little learning, but I want to be entertained. I agree with that. Those people will vacation in Hawaii or they'll do scuba diving, but they're not going to go to Europe and vacation probably in museums and art and stuff like that. And they're not reading a lot. And those are the people that when you go back to a high school or college reunion, you you see and you say, my God, they haven't changed at all. Mm. Uh, Then there's another group. And the other group wants to primarily learn. They still want to be entertained. I mean, we all want to go to, we all enjoy maybe NFL football games that would like to, you know, splash around the beaches and stuff. But the, these people will be the learners. And my, my view about that is only 10 to 20% of, of people in their 20s somewhere will, will, will be the learners. The others will be the ones having fun. Yeah. Now, the ones having fun can succeed. They, they can end right. up changing and so on. But my view is that they've taken themselves off of the field, the, the competition. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. What's left of the 10 to 20 that read? And why is that important? 
Uh, why is reading important? The average American, median American, reads five books a, a year. So that means half of them read less than that. Those yeah. people aren't going to learn anything. Yeah. And, and when I'm talking about books, I'm not talking about the Apache's woman or something. Yeah. I'm talking about <laughs> personal about development, self help, philosophy, uh, history, biographies, and really good literature. Uh, there's been a person, a famous quote that said, um, if you read, you can learn from a hundred people or a thousand people about how to fail, how to succeed. If you don't read, you can learn from one. Yeah. Well, that's not absolutely true. You can learn from a neighbor, but basically you're stuck within yourself. So I would say you don't want to live the life of a monk, but once you stop your education, keep learning the rest of your life because uh, you've got obstacles to overcome. How do you overcome them? By getting better. How do you get better? By growing. How do you grow? By learning. And how do you learn? By reading, primarily reading. You can learn by watching, but primarily reading. So that's a, a bias that I have, you know, and, and uh, but I think that that can help people. And a lot of the things that I've learned where I've changed my life over time have come from a book where mm -hmm. I read about uh, essentialism or stacked habits or uh, all kinds of other stuff that I knew nothing about, uh, about uh, stoicism, which is a kind of a newish movement. And, and I realize it has some good things in it and so on. So I would do that. You, you don't want to be the person that somebody comes up to you at a high school reunion in 60 years and says, you know what? You haven't changed a bit, Roy. I would be insulted if they said that. <laughs> I said, my God, everything I've done has uh, been a failure. But anyway. Yeah. So just, just one other thing I, I would add there is to lean into your core values. Yeah. Yeah. because I agree with you. I, I want to know what what is your definition like when you say core values like what does that mean to you? Let me let me take this here. L let me read this to you because I, I can give it to you, but this is the best I've ever heard. It came from a coach. I asked her permission. Okay. Deeply rooted fundamental beliefs guides that dictate your behavior and actions. The foundation of what is driving your decisions. Ingrained principles that help you declare who you are and what you stand for. So they are internal. I believe they came at birth or sometime around then. And um, and that's what they are. They are actually who you are. If we were to go, you live in Rhode Island or someplace. Yes. Yep. So we went to downtown Providence, you, you and I together. And we said, um, tell me who you are. I don't believe we'd get a good answer from anybody. I, I believe they'd say, well, I have this family. I, 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 we play soccer together. We travel. Uh, my, my kid wants to be this when, when he grows up. Um, here's what I do in the community. I'm active in my church. I'd say, stop, stop, stop. You're not telling me who you are. You're telling me what you do. Yes. You are your values. Well, they don't know what their values are, so they can't answer that question. Uh, I am my core values. I can read them to you. Uh, you wouldn't know the definition, but there's 11 of them. That's who I am. So, yeah. They actually, there's a pyramid, and on the bottom are core values, and then comes goals and then tasks. The, what to do with the values, I'd say not only lean into them. My own view is you don't do anything that doesn't honor your core values. I don't make any decisions, take any actions every day that don't honor my core values. I actually ask that question all the time. Does this honor my core value? Is this relationship going to honor my core value? And uh, if it doesn't, 
I do what Covey and uh, the Oracle of Omaha said, say no. They said uh, uh, the most successful people in their lives say no to almost everything. So say no. Uh, you know, if it, if it doesn't, if it's not consistent with your core values, say no. Now, since I've got 11 core values and there's 360 out there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is not consistent with my core values. Yes. It sounds good. You know, should I learn to play the piano? Should I learn to paint? Should I be, you know, learn how to garden? No, I don't have a creativity core value. I, I, I'm persuaded I don't. I value creativity, but it's not a core value. Yeah. So I'm not going to take the time to learn to play the piano. Uh, there are many other things that are, that are in my wheelhouse, let's say, that I'm going to be spending time on. Um, so now you've learned about one of my biases, one that I wrote about in the book, but it's one that could catch people and they can say, well, I don't agree with that at all, you know, but, uh, yes. Well, that's the beauty of core values is that it has, it has to matter to you. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to matter to anyone else. It has no. to ma matter to you. Like I'll just read a couple of, couple of mine where it's like, uh, don't make excuses, make it happen. Everything is your fault. Learn something new every day and apply it. You know, we're here to serve selflessly and with the highest, highest integrity. You know, and there's, there's uh, ten, ten, 10 other ones, you know, but like, but we read those before every single, every single coaching call. And it's just things to live by. And as you said, if, as we're setting out our task for the day, if it doesn't serve those values, then we don't do it. Yeah, that's, well, as Covey said that, said, learn how to say no, you know. Learn how to say, you don't have to go to everybody's party and everybody's dinner. You don't want to be rude or ignore your friends, but you don't have to go to all of these things or, or people are raising money for this or that. You don't have to, to donate money to all those things or be active in all of them. You just don't, you don't, you can't do that. Exactly. So lean into your core values. I, I agree with that. That's who you are. Uh, in fact, Smith and Covey both said this, when you find your core values, live consistent with them in everything you do and you will find fulfillment and peace of mind. They both said that directly. And I, and they found, and I agree with this too, you can fi find financial independence. I found that I just have to be a, a warn about that one. You have to have some other skills because that is going to come from business. So you're going to have to have some other business skills to do that, you'll, you'll have to develop courage in terms of making tough decisions. Like when I left that well-paying job, you're going to have to have good judgment, good people skills, which I think is the number one trait to have in life, good people skills. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you'll have to add some things in to go from fulfillment and peace of mind to uh, f financial uh, uh, independence. But if you if you develop the other skills, you can certainly go at that. And unfortunately god doesn't make any guarantees so the first couple of those may not work you yeah. know you, you may have to adjust and try something else but yeah and you can also outsource stuff that you're not good at either yeah. like with yeah. web web design and stuff i'm not good at any of that stuff so so i i outsource i'm like this is what what, what i want here you know you can do that you got a list of 300 leads there's someone on fiverr who will go right down that whole leads list for you you know if they're talking on the phone this isn't your thing so it's like you don't have to be good at everything you should understand you know because yeah. you have to be able to lend guidance but you don't have to be the expert at everything no. so whatever your five percent of genius is lean into that and then everything is gonna is gonna open up for you
That's what I did when I became an entrepreneur, exactly what you said. Almost everything was farmed out. The one thing you have to be good at if you do that, though, you have to be a good manager. Because yes. you've got somebody doing this, somebody doing that. You have to learn how to how to manage all that properly. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I would have I would have died had I tried to do all the things I had to do with my company. Yeah, uh, it's better to let let experts do that, and that way I could grow it. I grew it to about twelve or thirteen million dollars with no more than five people. There was wow. myself and my partner and three others. We never had more than five. That's amazing. I always believed in that having it small, but but. But there's all kinds of people doing other things. And you, know? you started that before the internet too, right? You said uh, yeah, that was in uh, 93. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I was a little slow to pick up that other stuff, uh, which is really a shame because the efficiency of the internet yeah. uh, is just <laughs> uh, unbelievable. There's still people nowadays that I work with that don't have any type of web presence. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, it's not going anywhere. It's like, you need a web presence. Even these people that write books, Ryan Holiday said he's beholden to publishers and so on, but he developed a, a list from people that read his book. He went purposely did that. Now he's got hundreds of thousands. Now he can market within his own email list using the web and not have to listen to the demands of publishers and, yeah. and others. You know, he, he pulls the strings there. They're all going to buy his books. I mean, not, I don't know how I many he has, let's say 300,000 people that are not all going to buy his book. Yeah. But enough of them are that he's, uh, at 31, he's, he's wealthy and very successful, and he's got control of his future. If the publishing industry goes to hell or some other problem happens, um, and they don't want to hear from him anymore, he, he 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 can just depend upon his own list that he developed. It's amazing. So, yeah, that is amazing to me. So let's talk about your your book. What's it titled? Uh, a fool's errand. Fool's it's, errand. It's this little guy right here. Okay, and, and what, the sub, what subtotal, subtotal explains it: why your goals are falling short, and what you can do about it. It more or less says. Um, Chapter two tells you how to get to your core values. I have tools in there that help. It more or less says this very simply. Find your 10 to 20 core values, and then I'll use your phrase, and lean into them every day. Live your life on the basis of that. If you do that, you will have fulfillment and peace of mind. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they made it fl flat out. Hiram Smith and, uh, and uh, Stephen Covey said, uh, without question, you'll have peace of mind and fulfillment if you're leaning into your core values all the time. And just like you said, you read that list every time, every day, you're going to have to stay focused on that. You don't want to kind of wander off course. Or even an airplane heading from San Francisco to New York, it wanders off course a little bit. It, it, it won't get to New York. It yeah. stays off course. Exactly. So what inspired you to write that? Like, when was the moment where you, you were like, I, I need to write this book? Um, I realized that hardly anybody knew about core values. I was reading in medium.com, which is a site where there's a lot of self-help blogs and yeah. other books, and nobody would address this. They're all uh, talking about life hacks and goals and tasks, but they're not getting to the foundation of values before that. And I said, my God, there's nobody that's writing about this. Covey and Smith have died. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're old guys and Covey died in 2012 and Smith died about two and a half years ago. 
and there's nobody teaching. Nobody, no, nobody picked that up. Uh, yeah. So I thought, gee, I could do this. I could write a book, and, and my life is kind of a lesson. I, you know, I was a failure until 53, pretty much. Not not financially, but in every other way that matters. Uh, yeah. And then it changed, and I changed dramatically uh, in in the ways that mattered after that time. And by the way, that jived with my uh, this guy came along, gave me spirituality. That happened in '53 too. So that was a big time, core values, and I developed a spirituality about me, and that changed my feeling about other people, even about animals. It was a unbelievable. Uh, dramatic change when I became spiritual, how I felt about uh, other people. Um, and I, I wasn't good before that. I mean, if, if somebody tells you somebody's going to marry you, say you're the most selfish person I've ever met, uh, that's not a good sign, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's something to be proud of. True. And as I learned about it, I, I actually agreed with her. So, so that wasn't so good. I don't know why she hung around me. I mean, why would you marry someone who's the most selfish person you've ever met, you know? Well, she didn't marry me for quite a long while after that. And she didn't say that because of a typical thing where a woman thinks I can change a guy. She doesn't believe women can change men. But I did change myself because of her example. Um, there you go. And so in essence, she, she, uh, she changed me just with her observation. It was kind of humiliating observation to hear. Yeah, I mean, like you, you said, other people can plant the seeds, but the person has to make the change. Like, no no one else can change anyone else. You just can't. You're just they- listening to you talk about your business before we uh, got going here. That's what you're doing all the time, right? You're, you're doing nothing but planting seeds in people and then yeah. encouraging them. You yeah. might encourage them with a hammer, but you're still you're still <laughs> you're still encouraging them. And then and if they see the other people that are around you, and then they listen to those values you put out. Um, and unless they're really dense, they're going to say, "Well, it, this is worthwhile." I'm going to put up with Robert beating on me a little bit because he's right, you know. So, yep, got got to do it. I had had um a new woman start yesterday. She came back today. And uh, she's slamming the battle ropes. And she's like, oh, she's like, you know, this is my second day, right? I said, yeah. I said, you know, you got goals, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that was my response. <laughs> well, we, we like that, actually. I, I like I, I'm the reason that the military changes so many young men and women is because they demand excellence of people at a really young age. I, I, I like that when somebody comes along and, uh, and says, Roy, you're, you're failing here. You're falling down here. If there's somebody I respect. Uh, I'll listen to that, yeah. Because you know, you can tell I'm kind of opinionated, so they could say, uh, and many have, and, and, and have corrected me. If, if I'm, if I'm going to be a friend, they'll reach out and uh, and correct my thought, and then I'll have to think about that. But we like to be challenged and changed uh, if people have a good heart. You know, they're not just trying to st- lower us so they can step on us and move on. We, we yeah. like that. Exactly. And if you're not hanging around with somebody like that, you better find somebody like that. Because yeah, otherwise you grow, you grow like this and you could be growing like that. See, and that's one big thing in my fitness community that that this same, same woman she saw today, because like everyone else pushes everyone else, too. So like it's not just me as some tyrant and, you know, like it's yeah, right. it's uh, what's the word? It's uh, it's the standard in the facility. 
So like if we see someone, someone else will be right there to pick them up. You know, then yeah. and I keep telling them said, you know, you stick with it in 60 days, you'll be the one lifting up that new person that's on her second day. Yeah. You know, it's it's just a big cycle. Cause like everyone starts saying, I don't wanna feel out of place, like I don't wanna, you know, not keep up with anyone else. And I was like, everybody in here had a first day. <laughs> everybody did. And they all remembered how they struggled on their first day. I said, so no one's going to make you feel bad if you're dragging behind a little. Like, if anything, they're going to slow down and finish with you, <laughs> you know, or they'll finish, run back, and then finish with you. <laughs> so, like, well, they all have community. Not only do they have that, they all have self doubts. So, they all felt like that person at some point in their life. Yes. Maybe it's with your first class or some, but um, once they see your heart, then they're willing to uh, pay the price. I mean, we yeah. all have self-doubts. That's why it's good to have courage because if you move into something new, you have to have a little courage and kind of overcome those self-doubts and they will go away for everybody. Like you said, everybody has a first day. Yes. They have a first day in everything, first day in their marriage, a first day in, in their new spiritual life, a first day with a new friend, uh, a first day uh, with their new business. And, and, no matter how people like to look, they all have self-doubts. Yes, so true. Self-doubts. No matter what, how you want to present yourself, uh, you have self-doubts. Yep. All right, sir, we're going to bring this down. Give us the last word. Well, the last word is that regardless of where you are now in life, you can make major changes. And in, in my view, if you find out who you are through studying your core values and then as Robert says, um, uh, leaning into those core values in everything you do in life, it will make a huge difference. You'll be true to yourself, not to anybody else. And you'll find down the road, you'll make remarkable progress. If it worked for me, it can work for anybody. Love it. All right, so you see the, the link up on the screen. They get a copy of Roy's book. Hold that up for us again. There we go. A Fool's Errand. All right, and now read the uh, subtitle again, please. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember why your goals are falling short and what you can do about it. And by the way, this is Half Dome in Yosemite, which uh, I've climbed. So that means oh, wow. something to me. But uh, it's a this guy sitting here wondering about his future or woman thinking about it and looking at it, a magnificent uh, Love it. structure. Anyway, that's awesome. it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, sir, for taking the time to uh, share your expertise and your experiences with the audience. You know, uh, my hat's off to you and all that you, you've accomplished. And as you step out into retirement, you know, don't don't be afraid to keep sharing that wisdom. You know, it's like you were you were called to do something, you know. So yeah. if, if a situation calls for it, you know, you're still the man to get it done. Thank you, Robert. You're, you're an absolutely unique guy. I've enjoyed this hour a lot. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. You have yourself a great day. You too, Robert. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. That was Roy. That was an awesome, awesome conversation by just a great, great man. And I knew it just from those few seconds in the green room there that this was going to be a really dynamic conversation. And uh, he absolutely did not disappoint. So again, the whole purpose of, of the core values, those are rules for your life. That's basically what it boils down to. So Roy read the definition during the show, but they're, they're essentially they're rules for your life. 
And so what are yours? What are your rules? Like what things can you implement and put in place that's going to help you get to that next level and to just put your head down and grind to get to where you need to be? So only you can define what those rules are. And once you have them, you're going to be unstoppable. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back on Friday, regular time, 11 a.m. with my guest, Elaine, tackling another topic, helping you to step into your greatness by shutting up and grind. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster. On Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.